Welcome back to the Hunting Roots Podcast brought to you by OnX. I'm your host, Brody Swisher. This week, we're jumping into part two of a conversation with Dr. Bronson Strickland from the Mississippi State University Deer Lab, Deer University Podcast. He's got it going on. If you missed that last week, uh, last week's episode, be sure to go back and check it out and then come back and visit this one here. He's answering the question, would you eat that? Should you eat that when it comes to various deer diseases? We're talking about when bucks start and stop that rut cycle and then also uh, deer behavior, deer rutting activity in the deep south. Why it is that deer rut in December, January, even February in some of those deep south states. So looking forward to it. Here's part two. Let's get him back on the line. Why deer in the deep south are rutting as late as December and January? And I think you guys are probably seeing even into February. Tell me a little bit about that. Because I know, um, you know, here in West Tennessee, uh, it's always been that mid-November. And much as I lived out in Montana for a few years out there, it seemed like it was hot and heavy about the same time. You know, mid-November is when it was going on from the 8th, 10th to, you know, week of Thanksgiving. And then uh, my buddy's down south here. uh, Got a bunch of guys down your way and, and in Mississippi and, you know, those guys are all saying the same thing. Dude, December is when it's happening. It's on. It's December. Yeah. Or it's January. Tell us a little bit about that and what you guys have found uh, to be the case, why that's happening, um, and you bet. Give, give us some insight on that, if you will. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to go down the, the science road here first and, and kind of uh, give you some, some bi- biological background and the history with that and a little bit of evolution. Um we at, as hunters, and this is me included here, um, we, we kind of think about the event of the rut, it, it being timed for, uh, this is the ideal time for the breeding season. Right. And, and, and that's really kind of not the way to think about it. Yeah. Um, the, the currency, you know, in the, in the animal kingdom, in the animal world, the, the currency for a genome or genes of an individual to live on is survival. Yeah. That that's your legacy. How many offspring can I put into the next generation that are going to live and, yeah. and thrive? And those are the genotypes that live. So the rut is all based on the the optimal time for a female to conceive is dictated by and most importantly, the optimal time for a fawn to hit the ground to be born yeah. to optimize their survival. And, you know, if we look latitudinally, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. If you're in Minnesota, Michigan, et cetera, Canada, you have a very, very narrow window. Right. You cannot drop a fawn in March. Yeah. It, it's too early. They can't, you can't, you know, there's snow on the ground. It's yeah. never going to make it. Yeah. Conversely, you can't drop one in July because the fawn is not going to have sufficient time to grow and develop uh, that that threshold or minimum body mass to make it through the winter. Yeah, I mean it's it's got to be a functional deer before that's the right. grim reaper of winter comes along. That's right. And, and so that's why it really May May is kind of that really good time that uh, you've had spring green up, the snow was gone, and you know now you have months ahead of you to abundant forage, eat as much as you can, get ready for winter. Yeah. So now think about, Brody, think about the South. We, we, we don't have that. And so we don't have that very acute selective force to where if a fawn is born a month early or a month late or two months late, we don't have winter that's going to trim off the edges of yeah. that distribution. That's right. And so, so that's part of it right there is that 
we don't have an, a, a harsh environmental selective force that's going to kill those spawns yeah. if they're born too early or too late. Now, why do we also see in man, uh, Mississippi and Alabama are great examples. So when you go to yeah. those rut maps there, especially Alabama, you know, all these different pockets uh, yep. a month apart, a lot of that we believe is due to the legacy of restocking. Okay. And so remember the southeast was more or less depleted uh, of deer right. in the early 1900s. And so thousands of deer brought in from everywhere, like Mississippi is an example. We have deer from uh, Kentucky and North Carolina, New York, Wisconsin, Texas, Mexico, you know, all brought into here. Yep. And so um, we have also know and proven here genetically that the the conception date and subsequently fawning date that is a heritable trait which makes perfect sense evolutionarily right. uh, it is heritable that if a mother is conceives and has a fawn at an ideal time it makes perfect sense she would pass that on to her offspring so they could also conceive and birth at the ideal time to maximize the probability of survival so we have this blending in the southeast of, first of all, we have a wide window right. in which you can have a fawn. But secondarily, we have all these little pockets that we think the best evidence so far suggests that is a legacy of the restocking. And we have these different genetic signatures yep. that were inherited and carried on. And we have some great examples uh, in, in Mississippi, southwest Mississippi, that literally from one county to the adjacent county yeah. is right at a month apart, a month apart in the rut. And genetically looking at that, they could tease apart that there was kind of a little bit of a different pedigree, you know, from 20, 30, 40 years ago. No, not, not 20, you know, 40, 50 yeah. years ago, that there could have been some restocking issues going on there and the cause for that. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I talked to Lake and Jordan down there, uh, Primos, and, and that's what we, we had a conversation just recently about that, you know, just how, you know, the next county up, you know, just next, you know, just across the line, wherever, uh, it's a whole different ball game, you know, and it's just crazy right. how that works and uh, the impact of that and, and it makes perfect sense, like what you just said, as far as uh, uh, just being able to adapt to different seasons and different needs and flooding and the temperatures and having all the different – uh, issues, you know, again, we don't have the, uh, the, the small window that you would have in the, in the deep north, up the far north up there, but mm -hmm. uh, different variables down here in the south again. And tell me a little bit about Florida, though, how that differs, because it's, is it not the opposite? It seems like it's a uh, earlier. I know I hunted down there several years back, and it seemed like those deer were rutting late July uh, was kind of their pre-rut first week of August was kind of their first week of November and uh, kind of a different, different ball game there. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a, in terms of in the, in, uh, in the U S that that's one of the, the best examples of there is just really no selective force at all, or it's very, or it's the most weak that we would see in, in the U S. So there is just really no environmental sledgehammer, so to say, yeah. uh, that that's, that um, is going to keep you from uh, having a rut in July or yeah. conceiving in August or 
because they what 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 mother nature has shown in that environment is there's no advantage yeah there, there's no advantage in terms of uh, you're going to have more offspring or my offspring are going to die at a greater rate. Yeah. And what you see in Florida carries on when you get down to Central America. Okay. In, in, in Central America, it's at any given time of year you can have breeding going on yeah. because there's it doesn't matter. It's the same in October as it is in May. You know, there, there's no season. There's no strong seasonality at all down there. That's right. Everything's growing. Yep. Temperatures about the same, and so we don't see that selective force for yep. seasonal breeding. Right. There's no need to push here, push there, whatever. It's just pretty even kill, steady throughout the year. So makes sense. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. And like going back to you know the the genetic link to it. If uh, if you're an oddball doe, and for whatever reason. Um, even though everyone else, you know, or most of them are coming into estrus in August. And for whatever reason, I came into estrus in November. And if my fawn lives and there are no problems with that and it's a heritable trait, then you're, you're going to facilitate keeping that going. Yeah. And so over, you know, generations and generations, that, that, that's the best explanation for why we, we, we see that type of, of, of behavior in latitude, the, the further you go down, we see wider and wider and wider uh, breeding dates. Very, very and, interesting. And the further yeah. north you go, you you know you you don't have any wiggle room. Titans right you up. You got to do it right now, or you yep. better skip it and try again next year. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Crazy stuff. So now, tell me about where, right where you are. You're part of the state. What is the what is the rut typically? How does it fall where you are? Um, in the the northwest region of Mississippi, we can start seeing some, some breeding behavior at the very end of November. But, but really, our month, for most of the state, our month, like, like in the Midwest, it's November, you know, yeah. our, our month is December. But the further south you go, when you get down to the bottom half of the state, and especially the bottom 25%, the bottom quarter of the state, easily, easily you can go into February. Gotcha. Very cool. So one of the places, like I, I have a couple places routinely that I go. So right here in my backyard, um, if, if you associate a particular day, it's like Christmas. Yeah. Right right here in Starkville, Mississippi, around here, it's the week before, the week of, the week after. But, it, you know, yeah. it's that mid-November to the, uh, excuse me, mid-December to the end of December, those last two weeks. Yep. That's going to be the peak. Yep. One of the places I, I frequent a lot, though, uh, more towards uh, the Hattiesburg, north of Hattiesburg, down in South Mississippi, it's typically the second or third week of January is, wow. is when their peak is. Yeah. yeah, what a great way to be able just to follow the rut if you wanted to. Uh, again, yeah. just work your way down. And uh, I've often uh, thought about that, and, and just you know, just again here mid-November uh, sounds like we're about a uh, straight up a month ahead of uh, where you're talking about for you, and then roll right on down into january further south and so a uh, great opportunity uh deer hunting in the deep we, we south just, yeah we, we we just need to retire and have unlimited time and money that's to do right. it I'll, I'll i'll join you <laughs> that's right that's right that's awesome stuff man well thank you for that information on hunting uh the rut in the deep south tell me this as far as the rutting abilities for a for a white-tailed buck and and, and the doe when is that cease when is that buck no longer able to breed i've heard people say when he before he drops his horns after he drops his antlers whatever it is 
what 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 triggers uh, again uh, the start and stop of the breeding abilities of the white-tailed deer? Yeah. So with with, with bucks and and um, it, it is what we call technically photo period, but yep. but it is the ratio of daylight hours to nighttime hours, okay. and um, that that is not unique to white-tailed deer. That's for a lot of mammals and even a lot of birds. That is their, and, and you think about it, you, again, you, you kind of have to back up. We, we as humans, we kind of, we want to make these really simple rules. And I don't mean that in a condescending no, way, no, simple no. rule, but we, we kind of relate it to us. And um, literally, I was on the phone with someone yesterday about this whole uh, the weather prompting the rut, the moon prompting the rut, yep. and it's the photo period. Now, why, would, why in the world would it be photo period? Well, Brody, we, we just talked about you have this ideal window of time yep. when a doe needs to come into estrus, conceive, and have her fawn. What's the most reliable thing from year to year, from decade to decade? It's not some moon phase because yeah. that can be two weeks apart. That's right. And it's not, is it unseasonably warm or unseasonably cold? Because right, right now, Brody, we, we got one of the, the warmest Decembers yep. uh, in history. That's right. Are, are we going to ask these deer to, hey, hold, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, that's right. Hold conceive up. in January. No, no. Yeah. It, it, but, but what is um, the, the, the reliable biological clock? is the ratio of daylight hours to, to nighttime hours. So that is what prompts uh, a buck um, to um, start shedding their velvet. In other words, they start getting the signals of photo period. Yep. That starts the physiological process, and you get into the endocrine system and different hormones. But bottom line, here, here's what it is. They get the signal from the environment, the photo period, to start producing at a greater quantity, start producing testosterone. Yep. As a result, when testosterone starts surging through their body, that nice gentle buck becomes a beast. Yeah. And he start the, the velvet starts to dry up. He starts coming into hard antler. He's no longer going to be in bachelor groups with other bucks. Now he wants to fight other bucks. He's becoming territorial. Yep. Now he starts setting up his fall and breeding home range, etc. And then as we get closer and closer to the actual peak of the rut, we can see, especially in mature bucks, that level of testosterone goes up even more. And so you can you can literally even see within a within a buck uh, that may be four or five or six years of age, the the shape of their body, you know, from six weeks prior, even though they're in hard antler right. versus when they're at the peak of the rut, buddy, they look different. Different animals. And a lot yeah. of that is they're they're running their butts off, but also it's testosterone and that yeah. big the musculature in their neck changes, all related to testosterone. Um so then um so when he is in hard antler, the buck, when he is in hard antler, he is physiologically capable of mounting and breeding a doe when he loses his antler what is going on there is the same way that we saw the uh, losing of velvet and and hard antler with the increase in testosterone we see the casting of the antler with a decrease a precipitous decline in testosterone that prompts his system to cast the antler and he is now out of breeding mode, and he is going into recovery mode. Gotcha. Now he's 
eating like crazy, not moving as much, and we got we got to recover that body. And so the the same thing, that same process is going on with a female, but it's just very very acute. So we have that ideal time, that photo period. Bam! It trips a switch. The endocrine system goes into overdrive. She comes into estrus, and she's literally got about a two-day period. It can go a little bit longer, but really have about a two- or greater day to where she's in, quote, heat. She's right. in estrus. And then we only have about a 12-hour period where she's in standing heat. And standing heat means when she is willing to stand there and be receptive and be bred. Right. So photo period is governing the whole system, and it's governing the hormonal changes and responses in both bucks and does. Yeah. So when the when the antlers are cast, then it's it's a done deal. He's he's out of the game as far as that goes. Is that is that literally timed with that, or is it just around that time when the antlers come off, or is it is that kind of the the final deal? Well, we and let me qualify because there can always, like every year, you know, you'll you'll see on social media, and I and I do not doubt it at all. Um, we're dealing with population averages. We're yeah, dealing with sure. the, you know the typical deer, but because at the end of the year, they be I just saw this shed buck. He clearly lost his antlers and he's chasing the doe. Chasing the doe, right? That's why I was kind of curious. I, about I don't it. know yeah. what's going on. Maybe there's still a. Um, in, in terms of the body responding, there there was enough of a decline in testosterone yep. to where it prompted the physiological response of casting the antler. But also, when he got a whiff of, hey, there's a doe in estrus, there's still enough testosterone yep. in the system to elicit a behavioral response. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of general rules, the general rules are that when the antlers come off, his behavior changes, testosterone has dropped, yeah. and Typically speaking, he is no longer a viable breeder. Yeah, very interesting. Good stuff. Yeah, because I've seen those very those very things. You know, people asking about. Oh man, I saw a buck try to uh, you know mount a doe, and he didn't. You know, he's he's already dropped, and and just that or chasing, and um, and so I was curious how that laid out and and uh, played out, and so very interesting stuff, man. I really really appreciate your time. It's uh it's such a good. I mean, gosh, as we talk different things pop up as you can tell and i started going different chasing different deals but uh man such a such a wealth of information just talking with you i look forward to catching up again and, and we'll have to do it uh, throughout the year a little more and hey tell us about how folks can find you guys find what you're up to the research the the papers and, and stories that have been written you guys do as well as podcasts tell us all about how folks can find yeah. you be it social media whatever all, all the outlets you guys are available on yeah, thank, yeah. Th- thanks for asking. Um, so yeah, we are we are immersed in, in social media. We we try to get all this information out there, and we, we literally try to do it. Um, we try to do it every way that we can reach the maximum amount of people. Yeah. And what I mean by that is we still do old school. Yeah. You know, we still write articles and magazine articles, etc. Et um, one thing I, I want to. Uh, I guess it's, it's not to give ourselves a pat on the back. A lot of people do it. Um, one thing we, we always strive to do, uh, and, and Brody, this, I guess, kind of off the record, this kind of goes back to something you said you started out, is that everybody can get on a social media platform now yeah. and masquerade as an expert. That's right. And everything we put out there is from uh, – 
robust, peer-reviewed scientific information. Yeah. It, it's stuff either that's long-held known, like the physiological system of deer that comes from a textbook, or it's research that we or our colleagues have done and has been peer-reviewed in the scientific literature, and that, that gives us the confidence to get it out to people. So yeah. um, we yeah. do it in, in the written platform. Uh, we add stuff to our website, which is msudeerlab.com. We use that same moniker, that same name on our social media platforms, on Facebook. Um, our, our two biggest right now are, are Facebook and Instagram, but we also have a, a Twitter uh, handle with that as well. And what we're really aiming to uh, develop more in 2022 is our YouTube channel. Yeah. So we uh, put videos out there, and that's MSU Deer Lab TV. If you're on YouTube, you can nice. see all those videos. Uh, what has been really successful the past two or three years is our podcast called Deer University. Mm -hmm. And what what we aim to do with that to distinguish us from the, the myriad of, of other podcasts is um, it it's not about deer hunting. Yeah. The podcast is not about deer hunting. It's about deer biology and ecology and management yeah. related to how to use it to, to maximize your management and, and your hunting efforts. So that's kind of what makes ours a, a little bit different. That, cool. That's really how you can connect with us any of those ways. Very good. MSU Deer Lab, you guys be sure to check it out. Dr. Strickland, man, thank you so much for your time. appreciate you, and I look forward to catching up with you again on down the line. Let's keep in touch, and uh, I'd love to keep pushing people towards what you guys are doing. Love the podcast. You guys keep that up. Awesome stuff. Thanks again for your time today, man. Thanks, Brody. Anytime. All right. Well, it's always good to hear from Dr. Strickland and what he's got to say regarding the white-tailed deer, man. I'm always fascinated by his wisdom, uh, his insight, and what he's learned over the years, just the experience. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that are just throwing out white-tail stuff that they've heard, Some of the, something maybe they've read or they saw it on a YouTube video. They're trying to uh, rename things that we've been talking about for years and decades and all the different stuff that's been in play, and, and so many guys are out there now just trying to come on the scene, act like a whitetail expert, uh, throw out some new terms or rename some uh, you know old behavior, rename it with some kind of new term, and, and want to come across as the expert. But these are guys that have been doing it a long time. Dr. Strickland, Dr. Damaris, they've been doing it a long time. They've got the experience. They've got the, uh, the backstory on it. They just know what they're doing. And so I always love talking with them. I love to hear from them. And so be sure to follow their journey, follow what they're up to. You can check out their Dear University podcast. Do a little search on the Mississippi State's website. They've got tons of whitetail information there. Again, this is this is research. This is science-based stuff. This isn't just some little theory that they're throwing out or something they come across. This is the good stuff. So Mississippi State, MSU Deer Lab, Deer University podcast. Be sure to check them out. Follow their story. And, of course, we hope to see you right back here uh, for our story, our journey each week at the Hunting Roots podcast. Tell your friends about it. Invite someone to come share along the journey. We hope to see you right back here next week. Shoot straight. God bless.